Good morning. Just, just breathe, just relax. I know you're probably nervous sitting out there, so just go ahead and take a second to relax. Just, just breathe, just calm down. I know powerful's coming. Just rest, just rest just for a second before we start. Okay, great. Okay, great. Glad you all are here. I'm glad to be here today. Um, this morning, you know, we have just come off this week at VBS. And, oh, my name is Kathy. I'm just a member here. You know, just go to church here, just a member here. My husband goes to church here, trip. He's somewhere up there in the balcony. My three kids also come here, and we all were a part of VBS this week. I've got three kids, um, Elizabeth and Annie, two girls, and I have a little boy named Johnny. He's five. And this was his first week being able to go to VBS and being able to ever go to any kind of VBS. And Johnny is one of those kids, I don't know if you've seen a kid like this or you were a kid like this, I mean, he just wakes up ready to go, you know, and it was all I could do. We kept really prepping him all week. You know, a great Father's Day gift for Dad would be not to come in and jump on him at 6.30. We're just trying to hold him back a little bit, but he's a kid with lots of energy, lots of excitement, and so he was really primed and excited for VBS, and so after that first night of VBS, um, the next morning, I hear in my house, screaming my happy-go-lucky son. And if you've been around small children, you can kind of differentiate their screams. And this wasn't screams like, my sister's making fun of me screaming. And this wasn't screams like, I banged my elbow on something. I mean, this was screams like, heart-wrenching, painful, like level eight on a scale of 10, screaming and crying. And I walk into his room to find out what's going on, and he's got the blotchy face, and he's just laying on his bed, and he's screaming and he's screaming, and I hear him mumbling over and over again, I've lost my bracelet. I've lost my bracelet. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and I'm trying to, you know, as a mom, you're just calm. Everything in parenting is really spin. And you're just calm. And you're just calm. And I'm like, Johnny, what? what? And he goes, I've lost my bracelet. And in um, Zoom, in the kids program here last week, they made bracelets in Sunday school. And so I'm thinking that that's the bracelet he's talking about. And he keeps going on, you know, flailing of arms the whole nine yards. And he goes, no, I've lost my bracelet. And I'm not going to be able to get back into VBS. <laughs> And he, they had given these plastic bracelets at VBS, and he really thought, because he lost his bracelet, that he couldn't get back in. Because my little boy loved VBS, and my little boy loved being in community. He loved it. He was excited about it, and when he thought he lost the opportunity to go, it was tragic beyond measure. But there is something exciting, you know, when you do VBS or something like that, and you see our faith community out in the community. And there is something exciting and energizing about that. And what's exciting to see and to know is that God has always worked through community, and that you can feel God's presence through community and in community, and that God, over time, has always had things to say to community groups to the Israelites, to his people, to people in community. Um, two weeks ago when I was asked to speak, and I, you know, I was asked to speak, and I saw it on the computer screen asking for this day. And I knew um, that this summer, you know, that our overarching thing, that it's the summer of love, you know, that we're talking about love this summer, that that's kind of our overarching theme. But when I saw this Sunday come up, I just immediately felt like the Lord put in my mind the word rest. 
that God wanted me to remind this community that's gathered here together this morning that God loves you and he wants you to rest. That he's calling us as a community, as a people group, to rest because he loves us and he desires for us to rest. And what's exciting to me is that this isn't the first time that God has spoken to a community group calling them to rest. And in fact, we can look um, in the Old Testament. If you've got your Bible here this morning, it's, um, we're going to jump right into Deuteronomy. It's like in the first, I don't know, one-eighth of your Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. And we're jumping right in to, um, to God's top ten. You know, Deuteronomy is a book... It's a second telling. Antley talked to, we talked from the book of Deuteronomy a couple weeks ago, but we're jumping right in um, to some of Moses' great sermons are here in Deuteronomy. And we're jumping right in um, to the middle of God's top ten. And we're talking about this morning about when God is calling a community to, group to look different, to act different than the culture that's there at the time, one of the things that he's calling them to do out of his love for them is he's reminding this people group to rest. He's reminding this people group to rest. Let me read this for you this morning. I'm starting in Deuteronomy. I'm just going to be reading Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. The word says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, Neither you, nor your son, or your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your ox, or your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your maidservant, manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. That when God was talking to the Israelites, when he was giving him his commandments, he desired for them to rest, to stop working, to cease, to celebrate, to rest. Something um, that's, that was happening at the time, just to give a little bit of background, is that reality that the Israelites were coming out of Egypt. They were coming under, from under the empire rule. They were leaving a life of being slaves, that they were brickmakers for Pharaoh, um, and that they were leaving a life of slavery. They were leaving a life of bondage. They were leaving a life of oppression. And when you are in bondage and when you are a slave, there is no rest. There's no rest when you're in bondage to something or someone. There's no rest when you're a slave. There's no rest. That's what they're coming out of. Walter Brueggemann, in um, the book, The Theology of the Old Testament, uses such strong language when he talks about this. But he talks about the reality that Pharaoh saw people, saw the Israelites as something to exploit, that he exploited them. He uses that kind of language, that he exploited them as workers, as to what they could produce, as to what they, he didn't look at them as people with value. He looked at them that he could exploit them, that his empire basically could be built on someone who was weaker than them, on someone else's back, and that they were people to be exploited for their production and maybe even sometimes to look at people as something that they, that they could consume. 
And what God does is that these people groups are so used to, you know, they're used to listening to the commands of Pharaoh. And what God does is he sets up an alternative reality, getting ready to usher in an alternative kingdom, and he sets up and he gives a different set of commands. And his different set of commands reminds people to rest and reminds people that he's calling them to rest. And not just that the Israelites themselves are supposed to rest, but the people in their families are supposed to rest, that the people that work for them are supposed to rest, and even their animals are supposed to rest. Because that God wants us to value people like he values people. And a way that when someone or something is coming out of slavery, coming out of bondage, how do you value people? You don't make them work any harder. You give them and you grant them rest. And you show them that they have value, not because of what they can do or produce, but because of who they are, because they're his, because they're God's. Eugene Peterson, um, in his book, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, also has great language that he uses when he talks about Sabbath rest. And I love this quote. I think it's great. He says this, talking about that day of rest, taking a day of rest. He says, everyone is given a day to recover the simple dignity of being himself or herself in the community without regards to function or status. That you're given a day to restore of dignity, not because of your job or what you do, but because of who you are. That it's a day that rest, taking a day off of work is a day to restore dignity, not because of how productive you are or your status or your value, but because your gods, because he reminds us he is the one who brought you out of slavery and that he is the one who gives you and desires for you to have rest. Tripp and I, um, over the years, we've heard different, you know, different talks on rest and how do you take rest. And one of the times, and I think, you know, when we talk about rest, it's different. It looks different. You know, how you rest in your 20s is different than how you rest potentially, you know, in your early 40s. It's just different. Rest is different, I think, at different seasons of your life. And for Tripp and I, we heard a sermon on rest when we were living in Houston about nine years ago. And at the time, we had two little girls, two children under the age of two. And so just the mere act of going to church was not rest. That was work. You know, that was work to get people out the door. And I, I think I've shared this before, but it was that feeling that when you have small children and you go to church, you don't want people to say good morning. You want them to say congratulations. It's a big deal that you're here, and we know that. We know that was work. We know you've been planning since Saturday night to get here. You know, and thank God that we are at a church at River City that we don't have to put tights on people. You know, it's, it's life-giving to be in an environment like that. But anyway, when we had small children, you know, a lot a lot of times it's hard and it's hard when you have little kids how do you make the days look any different you know when you're home with small children how do you make those days look any different and for us at that time that see and like I said different seasons rest looks different you know for some people it might be turning off their cell phone or their computer that's how they get rest or for some people it's turning on your cell phone and turning on your computer that's how you get rest but for us when we have little kids at this season of life one of the ways that we got rest was we got the New York Times that was like the Sunday edition. That was like our big treat to read the New York Times and to get a cup of coffee. And we had this small, short little window on Sunday afternoons where we could read the paper and we could rest. 
And that was life-giving to us, to feel like we were connected to a bigger world, you know, to feel like we're connected to a bigger community. And that gave us life. And I remember talking to a friend of mine about that and saying to her, you know what, this is how we celebrate the Sabbath. This is how God, this is how we rest. And I was telling her about this and just about the simple act of reading the paper and drinking a cup of coffee. And as I was talking, she just kind of looked at me and just kind of started. And she goes, you know, that's good. But real rest looks like this. And I can't remember what she said, but I can remember how I felt after she said it. Because she made me feel so small because I wasn't doing rest right. And she took out like her measuring stick. You know what I'm saying? Have you felt this way? Have you done this? Um, it's like she, it's like you could feel that she was taking out her measuring stick and putting it over to me and being like, that's good, but you don't quite measure up. It's not quite good enough. That's not what God really meant when he said rest. And what I love about God's heart and about God's rest is that Jesus came and he threw out the measuring tape. That that's not what rest is. It's not based on what you do and what you don't do. That rest came in Jesus Christ. That rest is so much bigger than what you do or what you don't do. That rest is what is in Christ has done and on the work of the cross. And that that is rest. That Jesus came, that Jesus said, um, we say this verse a lot, but it's worth saying again, come to me all who are weary and burden, and I will give you rest. That that Deuteronomy passage, the Exodus passage, the Genesis passage, it points to Christ. It points to a greater rest, and that God desires for us to have rest in Christ and Christ alone, and not because of what we do or what we don't do, but because of what Christ has done. But as we can see with that woman, it is so easy to get a little works-oriented. And even though I know that in the back of my head, it is so easy to make rest work. Does that make sense? It's so easy to make rest work because sometimes what I can do also with rest is I think, you know, you've got, maybe you don't, but sometimes I do, you've got this list of things that you need to do. Or maybe with your work, you've got that inbox of what you need to be doing. And so you begin to think to yourself, if I cross the things off the list or if I empty out the inbox, then I've earned rest. Then I can get rest. If I do what needs to be done, then I can get rest. But what God says to you, and to, or, or hey, well, let me say this really quick. You know, and I think for my life, I'm not working right now. You know, I'm not working. And so when I think of rest, what does rest mean to me at this season of life? And once again, rest is different, different things at different seasons. You know, and some people obviously take rest on different days. I was talking to a woman a couple weeks ago, and I loved hearing that her rest isn't on Sundays. You know, that's a different day for her. She rests on a different day. And I think that there's so much freedom in how we rest and the ways that we rest. But anyway, now I've lost my thought. Oh, but anyway, and so that we can think, you know, what is rest or what gives us rest or what do we need rest from? And for me, for this season of life, what I need rest from is the laundry. 
I need rest from the laundry. You know, I need rest from the things when you have three kids and it's summer and there's, I look around and I'm like, how did you change your clothes again? How did you get dirty again? We, how are these things wet again? You know, that there, if I wait till the laundry hamper is empty and think I've done what I need to do, now I deserve rest or now I earn rest, that that's not true. What's great about rest and about God saying, I want to give you rest, is that it's a gift. Rest is a gift. And it's not a gift that we earn or deserve. It's not because we did a good job during the week. It's because God knows we need rest. He knows we need rest. And he tells us to take it. And everybody around you, encourage them to do it too. That he desires for us to have rest. Because what happens when we rest is that all of a sudden, we let go of that to-do list. We let go of the things in that inbox, and we're reminded for a time that we are ultimately not the ones who are in control. That we give up control for that day, and we're reminded that it's God who's in control, and that those things will be there tomorrow. But we have got to take a break from those things and let God give us and grant us rest, and that that rest is a gift. And when I think ultimately, once again, how rest is a gift, it points me back to remembering an ultimate gift. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, For it is grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it's what? It's a gift from God. That our faith itself is a gift. And it's reflective. Um, and that our faith itself, it's a gift. And that what rest does, what Sabbath rest does, is it reminds us to stop strivings, to stop working, and to rest, to rest in Christ, and to rest in the work that he has done on your behalf because he loves you, because he desires to give you rest. Antley's going to come forward right now and um, close out the service and lead us in a time of ministry.